Just like a good old American slasher movie, your company's hard-earned profile can get axed on social media. Yep, say one thing wrong and you could be that guy who gets it first in the thriller. How can you come back from a murderous reputation? In this two-part episode of the Powder Coder podcast, we're talking about what happens when a bad reputation follows you home and climbs into bed with you. Our featured guest has crawled through some of the worst things that can happen on the World Wide Web and lived to tell about it. Not all of what you think you know is as bad as it seems. Find out when we go to places unknown and cover reputation, reviews, results, and rankings on our continued series about publicity and branding, featuring a famously unknown custom coder. Get ready to level up your powder coder game. Welcome to Roscoat's Powder Coater Podcast. I'm your host, Kim Scott, and this is episode 12. Yes, I can't believe we've made 12 episodes. Uh, this weekly podcast interviews influencers and industry people and covers trending topics in powder, uh, so powder coaters can effectively learn and grow their businesses. Last week, we featured an episode with Jace Kayser of Kaser Blasting and Coating, who takes a kaleidoscope view, or rather a 30,000 foot view of approaches to coating. Today's guest gives you a practical manual uh, to the finer details of powder coating and running a shop, the daily grind. He's fond of dogs and runs a successful YouTube channel and business known as, known as being mad famous for being unknown. Please welcome uh, Sean Shreve from Unknown Coatings to the show. Hi, Sean. Hello. How's it going? It's wonderful. Did I mess up your last name? I forgot to ask before no. the show. No, it's Shreve. It's, oh, uh, it is. Okay, good. I said, I said yeah. it right. <laughs> okay, good. Well, um, now, how long have you been uh, coding, and what compelled you to be a powder coder? Um, I technically started uh, December. Actually, I got my big oven or the, you know, my four by four by six oven. So when that's when I really started, in my opinion, um, December 22nd of 2008. I remember it for a completely ridiculous reason, <laughs> but I do remember that that's the date for some reason. Um, as far as why I started was, uh, there was a couple things. I was building a car. Um, I worked, a, I was working as a contractor. I did used to do commercial sign design. Um, I was working out of state on a job that we were doing and I was building a car in Utah um, when I had just recently moved to Utah. I, I think I had only been here for a couple months before I took off to California for almost a year. So um, once we did that, I started building a car here. I was trying to get parts powder coated, um, called around to the couple people that I could call here and there was nobody willing to give me any sort of reasonable pricing. And when I say reasonable pricing, I didn't know what the pricing would even be, but most people wouldn't even quote me. They wouldn't give me any sort of quote. And I wasn't asking for anything too wild. I didn't think, or especially now knowing what I know now, mm -hmm. um, I had just looked, uh, I wanted an intake manifold for a four cylinder car, a valve cover and for a four cylinder and four brake calipers. So nothing in my world now, nothing too crazy. And uh, I think out of the four places that I called, only one would give me a quote and he would only quote the valve cover and he told me $400. Wow. And I was just like, and I, you know, I had no idea what the price would be for, right. you know, I was completely new to it all. And, um, you know, I wasn't happy, I guess, with the answers that I was getting or not getting, mostly not getting. And I just like, this can't be this hard. You know, like I'm mechanical, you know, I've done mechanical things since I was a little kid and, I was like, I'm sure I can figure all this stuff out. Can't be that hard. And uh, I bought, I think I bought a Harbor Freight gun. It, I only had that for about three days before I threw it away. <laughs> um, but I think I started technically 
powder coating my own stuff for myself with uh, a craftsman gun, which I don't think they have them around anymore. Um, craftsman didn't actually make them. They were rebranded craftsman guns, but um, there's, if you go to summit racing, you can still buy that exact style of gun now. And it's like this, it doesn't use an air compressor. It's got a fan inside. It works like a hairdryer. Oh, and wow. A little cup underneath it that holds, if I said it holds a quarter pound of powder, that would probably be pushing it. It's literally like the epitome of hobby gun. And uh, I, I bought a couple of those because I knew that they were going to discontinue them. So I bought a few. And then I was able to order the replacement cups for them so that I didn't have to keep stopping and refilling them. I would just like, uh, you know, like a gun, I would just change the clip in the gun basically and keep going right. so I can do full parts. And um, even in the first little bit that I was working, I, I was, I didn't want to work for anybody else. I didn't want to powder coat for anybody else. I was working in a, a pretty good job at the time that paid really well, um, gave me quite a bit of free time. And, you know, it was more or less a hobby for myself. I was you know, when I first got the systems, I was powder coating anything metal in my garage. I mean, there was nothing safe at that point. And uh, just finally, I think it was about six months in, I finally agreed to powder coat for somebody else. Um, the first set of wheels I ever did were in a house oven. There were 16 inch wheels in a house oven. And knowing what I know now, I have no idea how they came out. <laughs> and <laughs> the weird part is I still have those wheels and they're still in great shape, which makes even less sense knowing everything I know now. It's it's one of those things that makes you question all the things that you've learned and heard stories about as far as like adhesion and cure times. And I mean, these wheels have held up great and I, there's a 0% chance that they were cured correctly. So. Um, yeah, I know. Sometimes it's like that first time you nail it and then it all goes downhill from there and you're like, wait, what was I just lucky or did yeah. I actually, what did I do right? And why can't I replicate that? That's a common, common thing, but go ahead. Continue yeah, no, your I mean, story. It's, it's, it's interesting. I, uh, you know, I did some wheels. I, I was very much into Dodge neons at the time. Uh, first generation Dodge neons, the one that nobody liked. And, uh, <laughs> I had some really crazy sparkly gold. You know, if there's anything anybody knows about me, it's that sparkles, anything sparkly. I'm into it. I, I don't know why. I have no idea. It's always how it's been. Um, I had these crazy, just high metallic gold, um, wheels that I did. And, that was the first set of wheels I did before the, the next set of wheels that I did were for a customer that I reluctantly took on. It was my very first customer. Um, a gentleman and I was posting, um, my build information. I was on a bunch of local, uh, forums at the time. This was before Facebook was that cool. Um, <laughs> and I had my, you know, my project cars I had kind of listed on forums and one of them was a Nissan forum. Um, I was pretty active in Utah Nissans because of a G35, you know, Infinity G35 that I was driving. And, um, a guy contacted me just kind of out of nowhere and said, Hey, I saw that you powder coat wheels. And I said, well, not, no, not really. You know, and I, at this point, I'm not even powder coating for my friends. Friends were asking me and I'm saying, I'm saying no. And, uh, I tell him, you know, basically no. And then he's like, well, you know, I see that you live in Harriman. That was the city I was living in at the time here uh, in Salt Lake, just south of Salt Lake. And he said, uh, do you mind if I at least come by and show them to you? And I was like, sure, man. You know, like, whatever. Like, I'm just going to say no in person, but I'll meet somebody new. You know, like, it's whatever. <laughs> he, uh, he showed up and he pulls up in a brand new GTR. Now, this is 2008. So... A brand new GTR is literally a brand new GTR. We had just got him here that year. And, uh, you know, I think he, I later found out he was one of the first people in the state to have one. And it was like $140,000 to get this particular car, um, way above sticker price just because they were so desirable. Right. And, uh, he pulls up super nice guy. I mean, just, I mean, he's still a customer to this day, but I mean, super, super nice guy. And he said, uh, you know, we talked back and forth a little bit, just, you know, small talk about whatever. And, he came in and was checking out uh, one of the cars that I had been working on. And um, I said, all right, well, do, you know, did you want to show me these wheels? Thinking like, I'll at least look, you know, he was a nice enough guy. He explained his situation. His situation was kind of unique. He uh, was visiting his brother's restaurant and next door is a, a large wheel company here called Wheelworks. They're kind of the, the go-to for high-end wheel stuff here. Um, or at the time they were, and 
he said that he had gone into Wheelworks, who he had dealt with countless times, and they weren't able to help him because they're, the powder coater that they had been outsourcing work to had become pretty flaky, and they didn't want to take on new jobs. Ross Coat here from Maui Powder Works. You know, we've been providing customers with high-end custom coatings for over 20 years. We love the powder coating business, making auto parts, patio furniture, and stuff beautiful for our customers is the fun part. As you know, the hardest part of any job is getting parts prepped for finishing. At times, this means removing tough industrial OEM coatings, which can take hours, if not days, of chemical stripping and sandblasting. Our business was revolutionized when we discovered the great strippers from Benco Sales. Their customer service folks asked the right questions and recommended a stripper tailored for our needs. Give them a call today at 1-800-632-3626. So he explained that situation to me a little bit. I said, okay. I said, well, do you want to show me the wheels? You know, like I... I'll at least take a look at them. Maybe I can help you out, whatever. And he's like, oh, it's these ones. And he pointed to the GTR. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, I was like, oh, no, no, absolutely not. Like, there's a 0% chance that I'm going to touch those wheels. And he's like, dude, I'll tell you what, I'll bring you just the wheels. I'll hand you $400 to do them. And I don't care what they look like. I just want them matte black. And I was like, and, it, you know, it wasn't a money thing to me at the time at all. It was more just like a, I could step out and try to do this and see how it goes. But I, I didn't have a ton of confidence. I mean, I've been doing it for right. six months at that point, but I, I had never dealt with anything that big. I think there were twenties from the factory and uh, my oven wouldn't even uh, compensate for those, but I, I had just ordered a new oven. I knew that it was coming from Ted's fab and would be here, I think within a couple of weeks. And so I explained to him the situation that, Hey, if you can wait till the oven gets here, I'll, I'll, tr- I'll do it. And, uh, I wasn't sandblasting any of my own parts. I had a, like a Harbor Freight cabinet, but I hate sandblasting even to yeah. this day. I hate it. And, uh, you know, I lucked out. I have, I have a girlfriend who seems to enjoy sandblasting almost. I mean, she definitely wow. does it. Yeah. So <laughs> I've lucked out quite a bit in that regard. But I better get Ross another girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's pretty great. Honestly. One for sandblasting, one for doing social media. <laughs> <laughs> All the things. And then, uh, you know, he eventually, he brought the wheels and, you know, it's once again, knowing what I know now, um, I don't know how they turned out as well as they did. <laughs> um, but he was actually, and, and, and they, they came out flawless, you know, and, and I, I thought that that would be a one-time thing and I was going to keep just kind of doing my own thing. And, you know, maybe now I'll, I'll let friends bring their stuff over or something. Well, it turned out the restaurant that he was visiting, his family owns all of it here there it's like a burger joint around here and he owns a bunch his brother owns a bunch and his dad owns a bunch and the one that's next door to wheelworks um he's down there all the time because that's where they have their meetings and so the owner of wheelworks walked out and said hey i saw you got your wheels powder coated um you know who did them for you because they look nice or whatever and um he, he said oh it's some guy in his house in harriman you know i was working out of a I think my garage was a little over 1800 square feet. It was a huge garage to be fair, but it was just a garage. You know, I was legitimately mm-hmm. still just working out of home. And he, uh, he said, well, do you mind if I get his phone number? And so he called me and asked if it was okay to get my number out. And I said, sure. Thinking there's no way that this company that, you know, every time you drive by, they have nothing but hundred thousand dollar plus vehicles in their parking lot. Um, I was like, there's no way they're going to deal with it. I mean, why would they, you know, they have so many other options that they could go with. And, right. Um, he called me the owner. It was super nice. He said, Hey, I want to send you up four wheels four completely different wheels. I want to pick four colors to have you powder coat them. Uh, we know one of each color and I just want to see the quality and make sure the color is what we need. And, um, if those work, he's like, I'll pay you for them, you know, no matter what. And then if, if they're nice, maybe we can send you some work. And I said, okay, you know, I mean, what can really go wrong at that point? You know, I mean, they're going to pay for them no matter what they're picking the colors. I don't have to stress about like, you know, matching anything right. or anything at the time. And, right. Uh, you know, once again, I'm not sandblasting. So I actually, I was outsourcing all my sandblasting. I actually outsourced all of my sandblasting for the first eight years. I think I was. Wow. Yeah. That's well, really risky. I mean, I, I, lucked out. 
I've only had one really bad experience, uh, which we can, I'll get to that, but I had a really, really bad experience with the sandblaster cost me, I want to say about $50,000 in the end, which sounds outrageous from a sound blaster. But, um, we had, uh, you know, I took them over and I had them sandblasted. I explained, I was like, look guys, and they always did good work for me, but I gave them the speech. I was like, look, I really want these to be perfect, you know? And they're like a big industrial blaster. They do mostly giant things constantly. So wheels isn't really their thing. Um, but they had the media for it and then, you know, the equipment to do it. I said, you know, this is what I need. They got them done for me that day because that was kind of their thing. They would always turn my stuff around pretty much the same day. And uh, I coded them. I think they brought them to me on a Thursday and I delivered them to them Saturday. Wow. Which is still something I tend to try to do. I, I'm not going to pretend that I always make a 48-hour deadline. But um, in this area, I'm definitely the one that flips wheels fast. Um, I did the wheels. They were happy with it. And that led to within three months, I think I quit my job. My My full-time job was very cushy, you know? So it was, it took a lot to get me to quit. I mean, I I knew that this was going to be the thing. I was like, I'm going to have to dedicate a lot of time to this, but I have this job where I don't have to dedicate hardly any time to every day and I get paid pretty well. You know, it's like, do I really want to give that up? Um, But I've always had a thing where I disliked working for other people. Um, even as pushy as my job was, I mean, I worked from home, you know, it wasn't like I had to go deal with a boss. Uh, I had to answer to somebody probably once every couple of weeks, but it was still like somebody telling me what to do, which I've, I've always struggled with for whatever the reason is. I think a lot of us do, uh, you know, why we've been doing it for so long too. It's, you know, yeah, it's long hours, but they're mine. Yeah. <laughs> and I get the and if, if they're long, it's my fault. They're long. You know, like it, I, yeah, I exactly. Long, so. Yeah. I, um, that reminds me of, um, uh, Victor Pate from black label. Same yeah. thing. He, him and his wife were coming from really good jobs and then just decided to jump off a cliff. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah, I, think, I think I've known Victor or like, you know, talked to Victor since right when he first started, he was yeah. in, I think he got dumped into, I don't even know if it's still there. I might not even just be in the group anymore, but there was a powder coating group that was just custom powder coaters. And it was a pretty tight knit group of people. And I remember somebody invited him in and um, I think he's military, right? He's ex-military, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. And he had that kind of vibe to him when he was posting. And I was like, oh, I like this guy. Like, you know, like this, yeah. he's not as, you know, some of the guys in the group, I didn't, I didn't have a problem with them. We just, you know, we looked at life a little differently, I think. And so there was somebody, I think, a little closer to to how I look at things, I guess. So I kind of sided with him a lot on things. And yeah, um, yeah. I, I can certainly relate to him and his story, but also his attitude towards life, too. Um, and um, for a lot of guys that are just getting started out there, uh, you know, that maybe are on the fence about being a coder or whatever, I mean, I guess that's kind of what I'm, I'm really on this podcast and stuff. And what I'm trying to find is sort of there's this element or this essence of what makes a great powder coating company or a powder coater right. uh, uh, attitude or a mantra or something. And so I'll probably end up asking you that question towards the end. But, um, you know, you do have this YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. Um, it's taking off. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's grown much faster, much faster than I ever could have imagined. And I know that most of my audience is powder coders. So I know that at some point there's kind of a threshold that that will hit to where there's not more people to grow. Um, but a lot of the people coming onto my channel are people that have never powder coded in their life and they're now looking at doing it. So, yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess it's a thing that I can help that growth a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's when I, I was making videos for Instagram, uh, just cause I thought they were fun. They're more fun than boring pictures on Instagram. Right. And, um, it ended up being a thing where I was like, well, you know, I watched a couple of videos on YouTube. Um, there's not a ton of powder coating videos on YouTube, especially there's definitely people powder coating on YouTube. There's tons of that. Just, you know, you see them spraying down a wheel or whatever, mm-hmm. um, but there's not a lot of instruction there's not a lot of how there's not a lot of there's basically a lot of people from what i could see in the comments a lot of people not willing to give up information um yeah i can't even imagine a world 
where I'm going to be secretive about information for something that I figured it out on my own. You know what I mean? So it's like, it, it's not like it's that hard. And if somebody has a question, I'm happy to help them with it. You know, and that's, that's kind of where the channel grew to. And it, it was kind of funny. I, I, I had done a couple of how to's that people had asked me about. Um, mm -hmm. I had basically no issue at all. Um, I don't know how to explain it. Like I had no, no issue at all. Just putting out random powder coating videos. Then a couple of people asked me for how to's and I was like, sure. Yeah, I'll show you how I do it. And then I went back to just putting out powder coating content, you know, the stuff that's easy. It, the thing that's like the how to's are a little bit hard for me just because although I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know everything. Um, when somebody asks me how to do a how to, I already know all the information that I'm going to tell them, but I don't, I'm always uncomfortable because I don't know if I'm explaining it in a way that somebody who doesn't know powder coating will understand. Right. Cause I already know all the questions. So it's like, um, you know, I was telling my girlfriend, I, I was like, I want to start making these videos that has her powder coating with no experience. And she can ask me the questions that she needs to know because I don't know if I'm asking myself the right questions to answer on a, on a how to or a tutorial or right. Because you're coming from that other side and yeah, I, I, I already know. Yeah. and I just assume like, you know, I already know all these other little things. So I skip over stuff all the time. I, I see myself after I've edited a video and uploaded it. I'm like, Oh, I probably should mention this and this, but in my head, I was like, well, I already know all that, <laughs> you know? And so everybody else should too, but I know that that's not real. Um, but when I had went back to just putting out just powder coating content, you know, with no how to's, everybody's like, well, where are the how to's? Like, can you do more how to's, you know, like more, more tutorials. Can you show us how to do this or this? Um, then I started, you know, I got a bunch of videos that were or a bunch of comments on videos that were like, can you show us all your equipment? And I was like, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess, I don't know how that could be even moderately interesting video to anybody, but sure. And I think it's one of my best viewer, highest viewed videos. I almost clicked on that one yeah. <laughs> last yeah, I mean, night when I was looking at your, your channel. Um, yeah. and stuff. Yeah. I, you know, um, it's funny how it's gone from just 10 years ago to everything being in the forums yeah. to Facebook groups and Instagram and YouTube where people want it now, you yeah. know, and they don't necessarily want to participate in some conversation about it. I mean, aside from groups, uh, yeah. They just either want to watch it and be done and move on, or you know, it could just be the nature of internet itself, or just yeah, I think that's know, how, how busy are. people are. Yeah. That's how we are in life now. I think in general, I think. I mean, yeah, I'm I'm legitimately mad if I look something up online and I can't find how to like do it or fix it or yeah. assemble it or whatever. I'm like, nobody's ever put this online before. You know, <laughs> like how is that real? Uh, idea. But, uh, let me blog about that, or yeah. let me let me write a you know, and that. For us, you know, because we're content drivers and we're resource drivers, um, you know, that's a cue for us to say, hey, maybe somebody could be looking at something for that, you know, yeah. or needing a video on that and stuff. So it's amazing how much it's changed in 10 years. And I, I think yeah. it's only, I mean, where do you see yourself or your channel or business going in the next five to 10 years? I'm kind of curious. Uh. If I tell you, you're going to think it's a terrible answer. Um, my whole goal since I was 22 years old was to retire at 40. Oh, and that's, so, a good, that's a good goal. <laughs> kind, of, kind of everything I have done um, in that time has been geared towards that. Like I, yeah. I make, you know, pretty okay money. Um, I don't spend money. I don't have any dumb toys or, or not, I shouldn't say dumb toys. I know people like all their fun stuff, but I don't do any of that stuff. Uh, I have one expensive hobby, which is golf. Um, and that's about it. You know, like I just, uh, all my money just kind of goes away and, um, I've done some investing safe, very safe investing, um, in a few things and, you know, lucked out on a few other opportunities. And, um, so ultimately like in 10 years, there won't be an unknown coatings, I'm sure. Um, I doubt there will be in five years, but I don't know. I mean, there's a lot that changes. I, I have a bunch of, uh, rare Japanese wheels in storage that my plan was to, uh, move back to Seattle where I'm from. Um, and then 
one set a week, I would restore a set of wheels and put them up for sale just to keep my sanity basically. Right. Uh, I have a really hard time. I don't, I don't know how much, you know, I just, I recently just had surgery on my wrist and wasn't able to work. Um, it's from a car accident back in like 2017 and not being able to like do things for a month was much harder on me than I even I expected. And I knew it was going to be rough. So I can't imagine going to a, a world where I'm retired and don't have to do anything. I just like, I mean, even vacations, you know, by day three of a vacation, I'm like, well, maybe we can go back a little early, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. like back to work. Didn't and, that happen to Mr. Clarity too? Same thing. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, the guy that does all the brakes and brake calipers and stuff, I think the same thing happened to him too. Yeah. Um, with that, he was in an accident, um, which is how he, yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Was, yeah. I mean, that's hard. I, I can't imagine a setback like that. I'm always worried about Ross, you know, with the chemical burns from Ben, you know, P17 and yeah, yeah, I know stuff. Well. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, just, you know, yeah, it's always, but that man, man that's a really, I, I like what you just said about your goal because I think, I mean, I don't know, uh, powder coaters in general, what they're, what they're thinking when they get into this, obviously not having a boss is really important. I mean, you and I both agreed on that a moment ago, but like having something outside of just being uh, a powder coater or what your ultimate goal is, is what you should always be having in the back of your mind um, and stuff. And I think that if you can bootstrap this business, uh, the profitability on it is is ideal it's it's yeah. probably why most most a lot of people i don't know do you think a lot of guys are just getting into coding today because it's cool or do you really think they are thinking about um you know the 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 profitability to be made in powder coating i mean it is all labor i know? mean it's, it's probably a, a pretty mixed bag honestly i mean you have people that are you know, they've seen the the cost of equipment has dropped significantly. I mean, you can get pretty decent equipment now. I mean, you can, you can have a full setup for well under $5,000 at this point, uh, you know, if you're willing to cut corners in a few little areas um, and still be able to do stuff in your garage with no effort. I mean, you know, right. you can do stuff out for yourself all day. Um, but I think it's, you know, it's like any, it's like any hobby in that regard. Like if somebody might get into themselves like I did and be like, Oh, I guess I could make this a business, but then you also have the people that jump into it and it's just going to be a business. Like that's all they want, <laughs> you know? And yeah. I, honestly, I think the people who jump into it, like you have to have a pretty ridiculous work ethic to jump into a business that's this labor intensive and true and, and can be uh, this volatile in regards to, I mean, you're in an environment that's not exactly friendly most of the time. Um, you're around blast media, chemicals, hot ovens, you know, it's, you have to really, yeah, you <laughs> yeah. really have to be able to work by like work past that stuff. And I don't, I'm not saying anything negative about people today versus years ago. I just, I don't know how many people are really willing to put themselves through that. Um, so to jump into it as a business to me seems way riskier than jumping into a hobby and then taking it to a business. And that's, you know, I've told people countless times like, oh, I'm going to go buy the best of the best of the best for all my equipment and start doing this. I was like, well, you better make sure you don't hate it before you do all that. You know, and it's, it's kind of funny that that advice actually comes from my dad with golf clubs of all things. Cause you know, golf is, golf can be very expensive as far as the clubs go. And, you know, he would always, I, it's kind of weird. You know, I'm a, I'm a pretty good golfer. I've golfed since I was a child, two and a half years old is when I started and, um, you know, played junior golf tournaments all growing up and was successful at that, but I was naturally good at golf. So I don't know much about the teaching aspect of golf. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I've had friends and girlfriends and stuff like, Oh, can you teach me how to golf? And I'm like, not really. Cause I don't like, I don't know how to explain it to you. You know, like I just, I've been able to do it forever right. with no, right. I've had three lessons in my life and they were all putting lessons, you know? So it's like, I don't have the ability to teach that. And they're like, well, what equipment should I buy? And, you know, I want to buy this and this and this. And my dad was always like, why don't you tell them to go rent some clubs and make sure they don't hate golf before they go out and do it? Because, I mean, you know, you can load in a bag with even kind of middle of the road equipment. You're going to be $1,500 to $2,000 into a golf bag. 
and what if you do that and then go hate it? And, you know, I'm going to tell you right now, the resale on golf clubs is not great. <laughs> you know, no. it goes, it's like a car. It's like an expensive car. It goes down really fast. So, and that advice is always kind of like it, worse than that. Out. You could buy the, you could buy the $500 club and then hate it tomorrow. You know, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, there's people, I, I, I actually just had this conversation with a buddy of mine uh, yesterday. I guess it was, I was like, he was like, Hey, can I borrow your driver? And I was like, sure. You know? And he's like, well, I've been looking at buying this club and this club I was like, bro, go buy a set of used clubs. There's a, a place near us called you went to golf. They sell used clubs and new clubs, but they have a really great exchange program where you can buy clubs used. And if you don't like them, you get the full price back within 30 days to put towards another set of clubs there. Well, so you nice. can try you could try 20 sets of clubs, you know, over mm -hmm. and over and over. And I was like, go do that. And then he's like, you know, can I borrow your driver? And he's a pretty, he's a very novice golfer. Um, I, I know some of the issues that he has uh, with his swing. And I'm like, I, you can borrow my driver, but you're not going to love it. You know, like you're going to hate it probably the entire time because my driver is not forgiving. You know, <laughs> it's like, if you miss hit it at all, it's a real problem because it's designed for somebody who's played, you know, forever like myself. So it's, yeah. It's just one of those things like, you know, I try to give people advice about equipment as best I can. And my big thing is I think I had this weird advantage where I had a good blaster near me and I didn't have to buy equipment for that. So right. in my head, I'm always like, just outsource your, outsource your blasting for now. Like take that completely out because if yeah. you can get out of a $2,000 blasting cabinet, you know, a $2,000 compressor, get away from all that stuff and you find somebody reliable near you who can do it. Um, sure. You got to pay somebody to do it every time, but you don't have to sandblast, which is, you know, like I said, I hate, <laughs> and then right. it's less work for you overall. You need less space. If you're doing it, especially in your garage, you need less space. And, um, so I, you know, I tend to push people kind of that way a little bit. Some people listen, some people don't. It's, it's well, all I about think that's, I think that's really solid advice. I mean, uh, it, it, even though you, you know, you may not have uh, come, you know, started with sandblasting, uh, a full setup like that. I mean, yeah, I mean, it, even though you didn't, you still were giving out good advice because, uh, it really is a huge part of the business, but then it doesn't necessarily have to, you can price it in, you know, right. oh, that's yeah. an easy cost to price in. Yeah. And Especially if the I, price mean, is well set. I mean, it's, you know, I was paying $20 a wheel to get blasted, you know, which is right. And, I, and that's not stripped and blasted. I said, that's me bringing them a wheel. They'd blast it for 20 bucks and give it back to me. It'd be completely bare, ready to go. And yeah. it's like, I can charge, you know, I think at the time it was $300 for a set of wheels. Like, sure, I have that $80 expense. I might have $20 in powder. I'm coming out of this okay. You know, for the couple hours of work that I'm putting into it, it's definitely going well. So, I don't know. It's a lot of people don't think about it that way. And that's some of the things they should be thinking about. Um, Cause it seems like every day on these group uh, pages and, and group forums and stuff on Facebook that the same question gets asked over and over again. How do I get into it? How do, what do I buy? What's give me the setup and it kind of floors me. I don't know what to think about those kind of guys. Uh, the, what, what do you think of them? <laughs> the, guys, the guys that are very willing to just go out and blow money on something are somebody that I, like, I can't relate to it at all. And I, oh. you know, I have the money to spend on it and I still can't relate to it. And like, <laughs> you know, like I look at these people, I'm like, you're going to go out right now and you're going to spend $10,000 on equipment to like put you in this place. And you literally have never powder coated a thing in your life. You know, and it's just like, what are you doing? You know? I, I know. <laughs> I was like, go hang out at a powder coating shop for one day and then try to make that decision. You know, it's like, there's a lot of things I think people just don't understand about it. And it's not, you know, I'm not special in any way, shape or form. I don't think I'm better than other people, but I know that my friends think I'm ridiculous for the job that I do. You know, <laughs> they're like, oh, it's 110 degrees in your shop and you're in and out of a 400 degree oven all day, you know? And it's like, and you can't get away from it. I mean that, you know, once you're, once you're around powder coating at all, like the heat's a, the heat is an element, you know, like it's playing a role in your life, no matter what you do. And, um, the shop that I'm in now, I actually had a shower put in this shop specifically because I was getting too hot in the shop. The, oh, I know. I'd love to sun, have a shower. Yeah. The way the sun comes around this building, it's on all three sides of mm. my building the whole day. 
and you know, it'll be a 95 degree day outside is 110 degrees in my shop. Like my wall, my brick wall that faces South is hot by the end of the day. And it's just like, you know, you, you have to be willing to put yourself through some pretty ridiculous stuff. And it, it, you know, I'm sure there's tons of other jobs that are just as crappy too. You know, I'm not discrediting that at all. I just, the people that just want to jump in with both feet and hope for the best. I'm like, man, have you ever done anything outside of an office? You know, like, have you ever gone outside when you didn't have AC to come back into for a while, you know? And I mean, it, it is what it is. Like I, I know that my work ethic is pretty ridiculous and I have always just kind of been like, that's the reason I do this is my, you know, I have a good work ethic. You know, I've convinced myself basically. And, you know, even my, my really good friends that would see me working 16 hour days were like, dude, what are you doing? Or before car shows where I don't sleep for two or three nights straight. And I'm a, you know, by the fourth day, I'm like a full on zombie, you know, like even I know that the things I'm saying or doing don't make any sense, but I'm like, well, I got to finish this stuff for this car show. You know, that's I, uh, countless times where I've been caught asleep under my table at my booth at car shows because I hadn't slept in days. And luckily I've had, you know, good friends and girlfriends in the past and stuff that have done really well working in booths and stuff. And I'm like, oh, I'm just going to sleep under here with my dog for two hours or whatever. And right. Try to catch back yeah. up. You can't even enjoy the car show. You no. Know? Well, to be fair, I think I stopped enjoying, I think being tied in the automotive industry, I stopped enjoying a lot of things automotive. I mean, powder coating for me is pretty much strictly automotive. I don't do any commercial industrial. I don't do, um, you know, uh, when I say production work, I'm thinking like line work, like I want to do a thousand right. rack. Right. And so I do wheels, you know, wheels are my big thing. I'm kind of the go-to for wheels. I'm definitely in, in this area. I'm the go-to for multi-piece wheels. Um, you know, even other powder coaters send people down to me to do multi-piece. Yeah. Wheels. They're tricky. Yeah. It's just been, I'd much rather focus on the things that I enjoy. You know, I've said forever, I just want to be able to enjoy my job. And the second that I have to powder coat, 500 black brackets i'm not going to enjoy my job anymore. <laughs> and, and there's plenty of powder cutters who are super willing to do that exact work who mm -hmm. don't want to do wheels you know mm -hmm. so i suggest i have you know people that i send work to all the time and i'm like hey you know why don't you give these guys a call they're perfect for that um you know they do good work just mention that i sent you over there they'll take care of you um and then vice versa they, you know those same companies when they get somebody in with wheels they just send them straight to me so it's worked out pretty well Do you know chemical strippers from Benko Sales reduced our prep time by up to 80%? We chose Benko B17 and have been using it now for five years. We were surprised at how effortless it removed finishes from literally anything we put into it. Removal takes minutes, not hours. Several suppliers over the years have told us they have something as good as B17, but don't believe it. There's a reason the name B17 is universally applied for those claiming to have fast strippers. Buy it by name and available only by Benko Sales. B17 is the industry benchmark by which every other stripper is compared. Accept no substitute. Get started today by going to BenkoSales.com. B-E-N-C-O Sales.com. Yeah, well, well, let's move on to reputation, results, and rankings. All right. This is a, um, a fun one for me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I started doing, uh, you know, I have to do a little bit of research when right. uh, I'm interviewing someone. I, I try to do as much as I can right. before I interview them. And um, so, you know, I, I, I found it kind of interesting when you Google unknown coatings, what actually pops up in that first page. Yeah. Um, it's, um, no, go ahead. Well, no, I mean, it, I, I mean, anybody that knows you or listening to this podcast, I mean, you know, uh, there's quite a bit of results. Um, obviously it hasn't hurt you much. No, not even um, a little bit. <laughs> That said, is it, you know, is it still, uh, are you still paying for it in some way? You know? No, I mean, I, 
I have people that try to bring up things that have gone on in the past. I mean, one of the big things with me is, you know, I learned this from a, an entrepreneur guy online named Gary Vaynerchuk, like really big on. I like him. Yeah, yeah. I follow yeah, him. He's, awesome. um, he's really big on self-awareness. And then uh, there's a book that I read from, oh, I'm going to blank out on his name. Damn it. It's called the subtle art of not giving a fuck. Um, I've heard of that one. Yeah, yeah I don't know who it is, uh, but yeah. Mark, Mark Manson, that's the, okay. that's the author. Um, in that book, he explains that basically the problem with humans is that we, or especially, he makes a point of saying, you know, like white middle-class humans in the United States. That's pretty <laughs> much like what the focus becomes. Um, but he makes a point of saying that, you know, we basically make up problems because our lives are too simple. And we tend to focus a lot of energy on things that don't matter. Um, I was already pretty far down that path where like, I, you know, I, I don't care about too many things. I don't get worked up over much. You know, there's probably very few people who have ever seen me actually mad, especially in the last, you know, 10 years. Um, I can't remember the last time that I was actually like furious and yelling at anybody. I, that's just not a thing that I do. Um, but when I read that book, I, you know, it, it kind of pointed out some of the things in myself that I was like, oh, I still kind of do that one, you know, like a little bit. So I can work on that now. And, um, you know, that with Gary Vaynerchuk always talking about, you know, his self-awareness and realizing where you're at. I learned basically, you know, you know, you're not going to please everybody. Um, and I'm not even going to sit here and pretend that I try to please everybody. Um, there's definitely been situations where I weighed the risk of just telling somebody to F off. And I wasn't going to try to help them anymore versus, you know, kind of pandering to them. Um, and I, I'll be real honest. I've fallen much further into the F off side of things than I have to holding somebody's hand through a process and, you know, making them feel better about it. Um, because ultimately my self-awareness has allowed me, like, I know what I've done that's wrong versus right. You know, and if there's a situation where I've done something wrong in and I'm, you know, anytime that's happened and it's, it's truly been in something that I messed up in, I'm more than willing to go in and try to help, but we're going to help, you know, I'm going to help you under the assumption that you want my help in that situation. <laughs> but if you're going to run out and try right. to track me all over the internet, like, okay, well, my obligation to you is now over. Like, I don't right. need to do that with you. Right. Like I said, the, the self-awareness part of it comes in where it's like, I know the wrong and right. I know what I've done versus not done. I know the things that I've been accused of and what I've actually done in, in that situation. Or, I mean, there's some of the stuff I, I read some of the stuff about myself online. I'm like, I don't, who are you talking about? Like, I've never even heard this. You know, I've never talked to this customer or this, not even a customer at that point. I've never even talked to this person. I have, uh, we were looking at my Google reviews like a month ago and I had a couple Google reviews from people that you can see in there. That to me is like, I, dude, you're not a customer of mine. I've never talked to you in my life. I, I had a Google review from somebody that I beat in call of duty and he ended up <laughs> because my profiles like kept tying to themselves, you know, through different media outlets, he found out that I ran a business and he left me a negative review. It's like you can't do anything about those. And I, it's, but that same comments on there is like, Oh, another review from a non-customer, you know? And it's, yeah. It's not I, like, I mean, that's an interesting, I mean, it seemed like you, I looked at your Google reviews and it seemed like you had responded to, you know, they, they want you to respond back to positive ones. Uh, well, uh, negative ones actually, uh, oh, really? is, oh yeah. They um, they always, well, they tell you to respond, but not to engage with them, which I, that's their advice is always like, well, don't, you know, don't, don't have conflict on your page. No. Um, and I, I don't think you should. I think what you should, what you are technically supposed to do, because I was in this situation regarding uh, Yelp, and I did do some research on how to respond to Yelp and Google reviews when they're not as positive, and that is you want to uh, basically acknowledge that they have posted this. Right. That was number one. I think I actually have like a Trello board on this <laughs> somewhere, but um, number two was uh, let them know that, you know, if there's some option of resolving it or a way to make it better, yeah. um, you, you should state that. 
Right. Like, you know, we understand we can't help you with this, but we can give you that uh, is another uh, another point. And I think the the other one was if it seemed unreasonable or unsolvable for this person, that there really wasn't anything for them to do. Let them know how you've changed your business to accommodate an experience like that for the next customer. OK, right. so. Uh, this is actually really valid. I'm happy that we're talking about this because I don't think a lot of us take the time to research how to do that. Of course, you know me, I'm yeah. hyper on that. So um, <laughs> I found out what to say, how to say it. And, and ultimately what I ended up doing with this one customer, and it was like, you know, one of those like Tesla wheels and it's brand new car and, you know, probably took on more than we needed to handle in this job okay <laughs> yeah. um and i ended up you know I, to me make saving the face on that and just refunding him the money for i don't know whatever we were re we just offered a refund yeah i mean the cost of the refund probably saved me in um you know lots of other badness, I guess. And I, I kind of tried to weigh it, weigh it out like that. Not everybody can afford that, obviously, you know, yeah. um, if it happens every now and then, I don't see why you can't make a strike a deal with a customer offline. I know that's not necessarily what Yelp wants you to do, but, or Google or right. whatever, but you know, Hey, cut a deal with the guy, you know, financially. Yeah. Um, and sure enough, he did, uh, he did respond and change and update his profile and stuff. Didn't say anything about the money or, you know, whatever, but right, right. you know, don't be afraid to negotiate, I guess, yeah, and, yeah. and just cut to the chase, you know, like, Hey, I noticed you left this, uh, awful review and I'd like to talk to you about it. And I was in the right. middle of flying inner Island and, um, on a hectic schedule and stuff like that. Uh, and you know, he, he cut a deal. He was reasonable and cut a deal with me. I mean, I don't think anybody, I guess, you know, obviously the guy that's going to bash you about killing him and, you know, call of duty too many times, you can't really negotiate with that person. Right. Right. But you can say, look, I understand that, you know, I hear you. I, you know, I can make things, I can't make things better with your, I'm sorry, I killed you too many times in call of duty or <laughs> You know, I, I dominated you and, you know, whatever. I mean, right, you, can, right. you have to kind of you do have to take the time to craft the message, I guess, so to speak, in, in a in a in neutral uh, way. But yeah, unfortunately, I, it's the it's the situation that we're in culturally, too, as well. Oh, yeah. uh, part of it is LGBT, all that stuff. Uh, Black Lives Matter. It's all, all about that. And and it's a way to pretty wild. Hmm. What's that? Cancel culture is pretty wild. Cancel but. culture. It's a great way to say it. Uh, you know, um, I guess I guess the, the funny thing that I found about the search results for unknown codings mm -hmm. in Google. OK, because Google wants you to have the page and the reviews and, right. you know, the clicky stuff on your Google business page. And then they want all this. Uh, they call it. uh they don't call it the map pack. They call it the snack pack. I don't know what, they're, whatever they're calling it. It's cert, right. it's called cert, uh, search engine results. Um, something I forgot what the P means, but, um, and you know, your SERP is kind of interesting <laughs> because of the other things going on there. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, but, uh, I guess, it's a solvable problem, I guess, to me, I look at it and that's a very solvable problem for you, despite right. the forum stuff. Either way, anybody that's going to take the time to look at those search results and dive into the writings or the other posts and, you know, that aren't related to, you know, that aren't unknown codings domain or whatever, or Facebook right, right. or Yelp or whatever, mm -hmm. uh, they're going to see what the results were of the bashing or the whatever uh, that happened. And yeah. I, 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 as soon as I started reading these things, I was thinking, my God, I mean, celebrity.
30s have less on their first page in Google than you do. I mean, yeah. every they're faced with this stuff every day. TMZ right. is reporting this or that. And how is it that those aren't in the search results yet? You are just like put up on the yeah. cross, so to it's, speak. It's been pretty interesting, actually, with a lot of that. Uh, the, there's a Jalopnik article, which is yes. probably my favorite. It's probably one of my favorite stories of all time. Um, you know, Jalopnik, as much as it likes to pretend that it's this automotive based, you know, well-written put together website, it's not, it's a bunch of kids that can kind of write, honestly, anybody who's even moderately articulate can read through that and be like, well, who wrote this? You know, <laughs> like this is not even well-written most of the time, but that part of it completely aside, they, uh, there was a situation with a, a Mazda owner back in the day that led to this Jalopnik article. Now, mm -hmm. People still reference it to me as like a negative thing. And, and I, I kind of laugh about it. Um, the Jalopnik article itself, the, all the context of it completely aside, the article itself, the first day it was up, it got me $550 in business. The first day it was up. Because anybody who followed some of the links that they provided and actually read what was going on, it wasn't just, you know, they didn't see the, the, the headline and be like, oh, this is what it is. Right. Um, anybody who read it saw what was going on. And, and I remember specifically, there was a guy from North Dakota contacted me with a bunch of snowmobile parts. Now I'm in Utah, right? That's not mm -hmm. super close. And uh, he contacted me and wanted to send me parts just based off what he saw on that article alone. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, I was like, and that, I'm not going to say that was a big turning point for me because I was pretty along this mindset anyway, early right. on. Um but I remember I was like, you know, I could use situations like this much more to my advantage than I'll ever see a disadvantage. In them. Um, you know, cause kind of what I said earlier, I'm not going to make everybody happy. I know that. Right. And the, the key for me is if I'm going to respond to these things, I'm going to make it entertaining for people because they're going to see my name associated with it. Right. And people see way more value in entertainment than they do in like the plain drama of a kid online. That, that that's always going to be the reality. I've there's posts all over my Facebook where somebody will provide a big negative thing that they say about me, say in like a Facebook group, just as an example. And I said, it doesn't matter how many people try to attack me because you know a lot of bandwagon stuff that happens in Facebook groups, obviously. What mm -hmm. takes one well-written response to negate everything that everybody in there had already said? And I, and I do it. You know, I'm you know I'm fairly articulate. I write fairly well, and so you'll see, you know, a situation where there's like one person starts bashing me and they're like, oh yeah, I don't like this guy because of this, whatever the case might be. And I'll go in and I'll write, you know, eight paragraphs. Like I'll write like a real <laughs> response, really breaking down, you know, the situation with the person or what they liked versus didn't like, or, you know, whatever the situation might be. Obviously there's a lot of variables. And, and I, I just kind of leave it, you know, I put it in there and I said, it's yours to read if you want. I usually unsubscribe. I usually, you know, have no interest in reading right. beyond that. I'll probably go back a couple of days later and check and make sure it didn't get too out of hand or too wild, but it never has. It right. always is like, Oh, you know, he came in and said everything that needs to be said. I mean, they're the most common one now is when I do that, you know, there's the mic drop gift and animations and stuff that end up going down after what I say. And it's, I'm pretty notorious for it now. Like a, right. especially in my area, people know, I'm not going to say people know not to mess with me because that sounds way more high and mighty than I intend. But I, I know that people definitely will think twice about posting negative things about me, uh, especially if it's, if it's not real valid, that's the big one. Like if it's a valid complaint, you know, I'm happy to work with somebody and try to fix and resolve an issue. It's the kids that just want to try to start drama. Definitely try to stop. I mean, I can see them that happens less and less to me, even though I know that that still exists as an mm -hmm. you know, actual event. Um, but the Jalopnik article was funny because, it, it, you know, like I said, if you follow the link, the kid that they wrote that article about is a customer of mine to this day. He was always a customer <laughs> of mine. And if, you know, I think the, the forum link, I think at one point it was like 17 pages long on this forum. And about the fifth or sixth page, I go in and I write, not, not even a long response, I just kind of read a response. It's like, I'm, I'm already working with the kid you know, like, I don't, I don't know what all this side drama and stuff. It was a bunch of people, of course, that weren't involved. that just kind of wanted to be for whatever reason. Everybody likes to feel like they're a part of something. Right. Um, 
I was like, hey, you know, I'm already working with this kid. Like, I don't like, what are you guys all freaking out about exactly? And I posted a couple of screenshots of, you know, the interaction that him and I had had. And um, it was, it was pretty funny is what had happened was he had shipped me some parts to powder or that I had powder coated about a year prior to that. Um, uh, that, you know, following year he sent me, it was an intake and a valve cover and an intake pipe, you know, piece of aluminum piping, three inch piping. Mm-hmm. and a single valve cover. Now that single valve cover was just like the two valve covers that I had already powder coated for him. It was a V6, you know, Mazda V6 engine. And uh, I had, he sent me that stuff and he sent me the color that he wanted them done in. I sort of assumed that he changed his mind about the color. They were both reds, both candy red. One was a dormant, one wasn't. Um, I sort of assume because you can't see the valve cover that's on the backside of the engine, basically at all. It, like you can only see it from the sides. And so I had to, you know, assume because you can't see that he didn't want to pay the expense, but he had changed his mind a little bit on the colors that he wanted to use. So he was updating his stuff, you know, no big deal. Um, so I did him in the color he wanted, sent them back to him. He, he was happy until he realized that they didn't match his other parts. And that's when it, it turned into this issue. Now, had he just contacted me and said, Hey, they don't match. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I could have been like, okay, well, you, these are the colors that your old parts were. This is the color you asked for specifically on your new parts. I didn't know you were trying to match him. He's like, well, why wouldn't I want him to match? I was like, well, why would you only do one valve cover <laughs> when you did two before? And we did the exact same intake pipe. It was a different brand, but it was the same general, you know, air intake, you know, cold air intake or whatever. And uh, he's like, well, what happened is my mechanic broke, you know, put a crack or something in my other valve cover. And that's why I was sending you just a single one. And I said, oh, okay, well, if you, you didn't tell me to match the old parts. You gave me a color right. and said, do them this color. And him and I were perfectly fine. We had, I mean, he went on the forum and he posted this pretty negative thing. And then, uh, you know, I, I had, I don't have people all over, but I have enough people that like somebody saw it and just like hit me up. I was like, hey, what's this guy freaking out about? Mm-hmm. And you know, I contact him, I just text him and was like, Hey, you know, like, I don't know what's going on. He didn't contact me. You know, this is the situation and everything with him was fine. In fact, uh, it wasn't even, a, oh, it was probably a little over a year ago. Now I, I did more parts for him for, he has a Chrysler 300 C now. I did a supercharger and intake pipe and a bunch of other stuff for him. So, you know, he's been a long time customer, but when he got on there and defended me in this post, they banned him off of the forum because I'm guessing the drama to them was much more entertaining than um, yeah. this guy saying like, oh, we should squash all this. You know, like it's whatever. He actually deleted the post and the admins because it was an old PHP BB board, meaning when you delete a post, it doesn't technically go away and the admins have access to it and they put it back up. And, uh, you know, it turned into 17 pages of nonsense, which they then convinced somebody, I think uh, one of the Jalopnik guys actually owned a Mazda and that's kind of where it came from. And, mm-hmm. Um but the Jalopnik one is funny, like I said, just because, you know, it brought me business. It's still in the top 10 results, I think, if you Google me. And the mix of everything else that's in there is kind of funny because it, it's one person who went on a bunch of forums that my name was already tied to. Uh, like, I don't think he knew that he was doing this, but because of how Google Analytics work, because Unknown Codings already post so much in all these things, when mm-hmm. he makes a comment about me that has any interaction, it's going to be pretty highly ranked in Google's results. Um, that's the thing I know very well. That's why you'll never see me type the name of another powder coder ever. I never do it. <laughs> and it's, it's a little different now because it's on Facebook. You know, Google doesn't see as much of it. Um, but on forums, you know, when forums were still a big thing, like I would never, I would abbreviate their name or post a, a picture with their name. I would never type their name because I understood how Google Analytics worked which is the same reason that I would tend to engage in a lot of those forum things where, you know, my parents would always tell me, Oh, don't engage. Like you need to do this and this and this, Like you can't say those things to your customers. And I was like, look guys, we live in a different world now. (laughs) It's the 2000 whatever is at this point. And it's not the same as when you guys were kids or, or growing up or even into adulthood where you were, you'd get mad at the guy at the local shoe store or whatever you would tell your brother and maybe your friend, you know, and, and and that's how they see all that. And I was like, I have to deal with somebody who at any moment can go on and say whatever they want to 
you know, a, essentially a limitless audience. And my approach to that has always just been like, look, I'll make it entertaining because people are going to remember the entertainment value much more than they're going to remember whatever the nonsense was that created it. And it's worked. I mean, you can say whatever you need to say about me on the internet at this point, I've grown every year. So the negative publicity has clearly never hurt me. Um, I have not, you know, I, I'm big on authenticity. Like I, I'm true to myself before anybody else, you know, and, and that's like a big, big, big thing to me. And it's like, so I'm not going to do something that I wouldn't be always okay with me doing just to cater to somebody else. And then that has its downsides for sure. I'm not going to say yeah. pretend that it doesn't. Um, but I know at the end of the day, my authentic self is perfectly okay with myself, you know, you and, sleep at night. Right. Yeah, for like yourself, I don't have to right. get up each day and think like, man, I shouldn't, you know, maybe I should have done this. Like, I don't feel good about the way I did this. It's like, if I do it, I mean, I, I can't sit and pretend that I'm perfect. I've made tons of mistakes, tons of mistakes. The stuff that I read about myself online, pretty wild, you know, like I, the, the stuff that I read about myself online, I'm just like, who even comes up with some of this stuff? You know, it's like, like I, I've read, uh, I think at one point there was a, a post about me that said that I was in jail in Florida and they had posted a, a mugshot of a guy who his middle name was Sean, but it was spelled different than mine. His last name started with an S and sort of looked like Shreve, but not really. And I, I want to say his first name started with an R. I don't remember exactly, but it clearly wasn't me. It was a bald guy with a white goatee, you know, not even a little bit me. And people were saying that it was me in this post. And I'm just like, the advantage that I have is I, I, I have a lot of faith in, in people. I have a lot of faith in, in humans as a whole. I think we do a lot of really great things despite all the negative things that we bring up about each other. And I know that reasonable people, which are the people that I prefer to deal with, are going to look at that and be like, you guys are idiots. <laughs> you know, like, I'm not going to associate with you. Which, you know, going back to the Jalopman thing, that's exactly what the guy in North Dakota did. He looked at the whole situation and he said, oh, this guy's not as bad as these guys are making everybody out to be. You know, like, this guy's perfectly fine. I'm going to send him business because of it. And, you know, I've had... You know, the, the funny part that happens now that is still kind of one of my favorite things and it's, it has its weird little downsides, but it's still funny to me is if somebody tries to bash me online, I, I naturally have a lot of people who defend me. You know, I have right. a, a, a huge customer base here. I mean, anybody in Utah knows who I am for powder coating, uh, like me or don't like me. Most of them like me, thankfully. Um, but to be fair, if they didn't, that wouldn't matter to me either. Honestly, <laughs> like I, I see, I see no value in the opinions of other people, good or bad, you know? And I think that's, that's more of like being authentic to me because if I give, if I give credit to all the, the praise that I get from people, then I have to give just as much credit to all the negative stuff that people say. And for me, it's just kind of a wash. Like I'd rather just be like, well, I'm me and you can like that or dislike that however you like. And I don't care what your opinion is about it. You know, I'm not going to change anybody's opinion no matter what. Um, or I'm not going to work to change their opinion, I should say. Right. Because right. naturally yeah. that's cool. That's great. And there's a lot of people, you know, that will meet me and they'll be like, oh, you know, I've seen the stuff that you do online and I thought you were going to be kind of an ass. And, you know, most people who know me know that generally speaking, I'm incredibly nice. You know, I'm helpful. I'm super respectful to everybody. I'm a, I'm a please and thank you and sir and ma'am type guy um, until we get to that point where I don't have to be anymore. And then I'm like, okay, well now I get to be this version of myself to, you know, still, still staying authentic to me. Cause I'm still very much being myself, but it's like, okay, well now I don't have to be the guy that has to be nice to you anymore. You know, I can be whatever I want now. And, you know, you'll see online when people will post something negative and there's a bunch of people that come in and kind of flood it with positive comment. And I feel like that happens enough now that people will see it and be like, oh, well, I'd bring my stuff based off just the positive comments that he's gotten on this negative post. Right. You know? Right. And, it, and it, I've had people show up and be like, oh, yeah, I saw, you know, such and such was bashing you on this page specific to Subarus for Utah or whatever. He's like, but then I looked at your Instagram and saw all the work that you do and you've done a bunch of stuff with my friends, so I just brought you my parts. And it's yeah, like, so if anything, it makes you more screen credible. Like, yeah, the thing you is, know? Like, 
everybody knows exactly what they're going to expect when they meet. Right. You know, like yeah. the, the only thing that I've ever had is that people thought that I was going to be a little bit more of an ass than I am. Um, just kind of generally speaking, because I'm, you know, I'm nice. I'm nice. Well, yeah, because you kept saying on the on the message when we were messing each other about getting in an interview, it's like, well, you know, I'm really blunt, and I'm like, oh my god, what am I signing up for? Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. like talking to you, you're like, okay, I'm, I well, can get it. The thing is, like, when I say I'm really blunt, is like, you know, a lot of people will use that as an excuse to be an ass, and I'm not. It's just like, but I'm gonna say what I'm gonna say because that's what I believe. And if, right. and if you are offended by it, then you're offended by it. And that's fine. But it's not changing what I believe or what I say, you know, right. like that it is yeah. what it is. And, and I've always done that. I, I don't cater to anybody. I mean, uh, I started making YouTube videos because I saw crappy content on YouTube and I was pretty open about that crappy content, you know, and, and I, I wasn't pointing fingers or saying names or anything, but there was, no. there but was anybody really, that's there. No, already knew that they, yeah, I mean, they I, weren't I, finding what they were searching for on YouTube. Right. Well, and I, and I had posted, I think I said in a live, you know, I was intentionally not mentioning a channel on YouTube, um, but talking about some of the issues and the reasons that I wouldn't give that channel shout out. Um, everybody in that chat knew exactly what I was talking about. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, if I'm able to say that without saying your name, mm-hmm. that means that the whole group of people knows the exact same thing that I know. They feel exactly. the exact same thing that I feel. And, yeah. you know, I'm still seen as the bad guy and, and I'm, I'm perfectly fine playing the bad guy in anybody's head. Like if that's what they want to paint me as, is the bad guy. Cool. Right. You know, like I, I'll live rent free in your head as long as you want me to, but it doesn't <laughs> matter to me. It doesn't matter to me at all. It, there's the, the fact that there are people out there, like I can't imagine a world or my life getting so good that I think that everybody around me cares about my opinion. You know, like I, that doesn't even, that, that will never cross my mind ever. But there are people out there who believe because they have social media that their opinion is now validated somehow. And it's like, no, you're just another guy on the world's social, largest social media platform. Like your, your opinion means nothing. And right. it, maybe your friends see some value in your opinion, but I'm not your friend. And even your friends probably only see value in it because you said it, you know, it's your friends. So, you know, it all goes back to me not worrying about what people say online. Uh, my, my true authentic self knows what I do and what I don't do. If I had to worry about every single thing that was said online, I would go insane. So. Well, kiddos, that concludes part one of Going Places Unknown with Sean Shreve. Join us for episode 13, part two as we take a deeper dive into reputations, reviews, results, and rankings. Until next time, aloha.